the Young and Healthy Podcast. You're listening to the Cincinnati Children's Young and Healthy Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Cincinnati Children's Young and Healthy Podcast. I'm your host, Bo McMillan, and it's summertime. It's one of my favorite times of the year. It's a time when I have finally taken all of the winter jackets and stuffed them deep inside my closet, especially that like, you know, the big puffy one you have that's super warm, but like really ugly too. Like that is so deep in my closet right now. It's also a time when we can get out and do all kinds of new fun stuff that we've been wanting to do for months, like go to a pool, go to a lake, ride your bike, all kinds of stuff. And I know the families, the parents of our patients listening now are feeling that as well as their kids go off to camp, go out and play with friends. And so it's a, it's a great time of year. It's also a time when injuries can be more prevalent and especially injuries that we may not have had to contend with over the last few months. So today on our podcast, we are going to talk about the types of injuries that we see the most during the summer. We're going to talk about what parents should be on the lookout for, and most importantly, how parents can prevent injuries, because these injuries can, in fact, be prevented. So we have two experts with us today. Uh, The first one is Dr. Wendy Pomerantz, the co-director of the Comprehensive Children's Injury Center. Dr. Pomerantz, how are you doing? Great, thank you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. We also have Don Gardner, Injury Prevention Senior Specialist in the Comprehensive Children's Injury Center. Don, how are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me today. Absolutely. Thank you guys so much for being here. I think this is going to be a super practical podcast for our uh, parents of our patients. So let's just jump into it. Dr. Pomerantz, you spend a lot of time in our emergency department, and so you see everything that's coming in and out of there. How, if at all, is the emergency department different in the summer than in other times of year? So during the summer, we tend to see a lot more injuries than other things. So there's a lot fewer diseases going around. There's no flu. There's no colds as much. And so we see a lot more injury-related visits in the emergency department. Uh, As people get outside, we start to see outdoor injuries taking more of a uh, role. So things like bicycles, kids get on their bikes, they get uh, they get injured that way. There's a lot more kids walking around the streets. They sometimes can get you know hit by cars. There's uh, definitely more water-related injuries, so drownings and near drownings that we see as kids get out into the pool. Uh, other things that happen in the summer: kids get out on their ATVs. Uh, kids can sustain a lot of different types of injuries when they're outdoors and doing things. So I I guess let's kick off talking a little bit about water safety because we're also in that time of year where we may get like two days where it's not so humid it feels like you're swimming when you're walking down the sidewalk so pools are a must so don i'll shoot it over to you in terms of water safety either going to a pool or a lake or the ocean i'm sure it's different for different types of bodies of water but what are some common injuries that parents should be on the lookout for there um, so one of the most important things that I always tell my parents is you ha- they, kids have to have their undivided attention when they're at the pools. Um, you can't look at your cell phones, not even for a minute. You know, you can't. It's great you get the kids in the water and you want to sit and read a book. Can't happen at a pool. Have to have their undivided attention. And I hear parents, well, there's a lifeguard there. But the lifeguard is watching an entire pool. They're not just watching your kids. You're responsible for your children. So that's one of the most important things that I talk to families um, about is, having an adult that's at all times keeping um, an eye on the kids. 
Yeah. The other thing is, is even more important than that is the home pool. There mm-hmm. are no lifeguards at the home pools, and it just takes a minute for a child to drown without a parent looking at them. There, you can't get on your cell phone. You can't go inside just for a minute to get a phone call or do something like that. Somebody has to have their eye on the small children at all times or anyone who doesn't know how to swim. Yeah, and when talking about home pools, a lot of parents feel that safety is in proximity. So, oh, well, they're just in the backyard swimming. It's not just the backyard swim. It's still a body of water. They still can drown. Parents still have to be out there, even though it's just the backyard. So safety when around water is not just proximity. Oh, you know, we're not at a public place. They're just in the backyard. They have to be there. They have to be present. They have to be attentive. The other things that can get you in trouble are neighbors coming over. Uh, If your pool is ever unattended, and there may be a neighbor who comes over. And then even those small blow-up pools, I've seen kids drown in the plastic blue pools that you can kind of put out as well. So it's any type of body of water that is has standing water in it at any time. And I, I know from my few years of being a lifeguard uh, when I was in high school that sometimes drowning doesn't always look like what we think. Sometimes it's not all you know thrashing about. What are some signs that parents can be on the lookout for, not only to be attentive, but to to look for signs of drowning and what to do if they suspect that's happening. The only kids that I've ever seen that have really splashed around are some of the older kids who can kind of keep themselves up for a little bit. Most of the younger kids just go in, go under, and sink to the bottom. So there's really not a lot of noise that you're expecting. You just look up, they're not there, they're at the bottom. So that, that misconception that it is silent, Definitely a misconception of drowning. Uh, drowning is silent. It's not all that splashing. Um, also, it can be very quick. So um, I know in the movies they, they make it animated and it takes forever and they're up and down and drowning can be very quick. Um, and then, um, again, just n- knowing the difference in what your child is doing in the water. So if you're watching your child, you know what's play and you know you should be able to tell when they're in distress. Let's, let's kind of stick with this idea. I'm, I was really fascinated by what you said about proximity and how a lot of parents you know, may think that proximity equals safety. So let's kind of stick with this backyard theme uh, or, or even at a local pool, let's say, even going that far out. But kids are out at the pool. They're out in the sun, right? And it's, again, this time of year is really, really hot. What are some injuries that you all see related to the sun, So there's a few different things. Uh, The first, of course, most common is sunburn. Uh, You need to make sure that you use sunscreen for every time you go outside. Um, There are a lot of people who think, oh, it's not going to be a big deal. But for every time that you get burnt and peel, you are much more likely to get skin cancer. So that's the first thing. Um, So that's number one is always wear sunscreen. Number two, you have to remember to stay hydrated. So Um, When it's really humid out, sometimes you forget to drink, but your body is evaporating a lot of water, so you need to just keep drinking. One of the things that can get you in trouble is it gets hot out, you don't drink, your body temperature is going to go up, and you can get uh, heat-related illness. And that is where your temperature starts to rise, um, and you're unable to control it at some point. So you have to make sure that you are uh, well hydrated, and if it's super hot outside, stay indoors. Um, and another thing that we uh, see a lot in that heat, and we're talking about um, outside, or th- something that doesn't present when it's cold outside, is heat stroke. 
Um, so we have done a lot of campaigns around making sure that parents are like locking their car doors so the kids don't get it when they're outside playing, play, maybe playing hide and seek. So they're not hopping in cars as one of the hiding places and then getting stuck in those cars. Um, heat stroke when it comes to parents transporting their kids and making sure that they're checking that back seat to get their, their younger infants out. Um, we've seen a, a rise in, in that. So definitely uh, very important and something we want to mention. Yeah. yeah, and that's much more common in the summer, of course, because it's hot, but also because routines may be different. So you may, you know, during the school year, drop one kid off at school, one kid off at daycare, one kid off at the sitter's house, and then go into work. That's going to change a little bit. And when your routine changes is when you get in trouble and don't even think necessarily about all the things that you have to think about, your mind may be somewhere else, and you may unintentionally leave a child in a car. I, I want to talk about that more because unfortunately we have seen in the last few years a lot of stories of, you know, heat-related deaths for kids, you know, just parents forgetting, like you said, because they change up their routine in some way. How can parents prevent this? What can they do to, to try to avoid this? So there are a lot of campaigns. Look before you lock. It's one of the things that I tell my parents. Before you check, before you walk out, um, you know, get out of your car, lock your doors, look at that back seat. One Another thing that's... Um, uh, we want parents to consider doing because it's really different for each parent kind of and uh, what their routine is and but what we want uh, parents to also consider doing is putting something in the back seat that you have to reach back there and get before you leave whether it's your cell phone your purse your briefcase your wallet um, something that's going to force you to look in that back seat so if there is a sleeping infant back there that's silent forgot all about because your routine has changed or you normally don't drop that child off at daycare and on this day you have to you're going to have something back there that you have to look in the back seat to get to notice that child is there. The other thing is, is you need to remember not to leave your children in a car just to run in somewhere mm. because that's a problem as well. So you intentionally leave your kid in there and you go into the store for just a few minutes and sometimes that just a few minutes turns into a few more minutes and a few more minutes and it can get really hot in the car. If your baby is asleep, leave them, do your errand some other time or wake them up and take them out. Even for, you know, you, you don't even want them in there for five or ten minutes because sometimes that turns into longer and your, your kid can, can uh, die. Yeah. And another really important tip um, that I want to make sure I mention, if your child is going to daycare, have a, an agreement with the daycare provider that if they're not there within 15 minutes of their regular time, 10 minutes of their regular time, that daycare provider is calling and saying, hey, you know, baby's not here, just checking. If you have happened to go into work and leave that child in the car within 10 or 15 minutes, you know that and you've, you, you know, and then you can, you can take care of it instead of it being all day where a daycare provider hasn't called, just assume that the child wasn't there, that child is actually left in the car. So creating that agreement with the daycare providers is going to be very important just as a kind of a double check to make sure that the kids are where they're supposed to be. That's really great advice. I, I want to go back, you know, talking about cars to, to something you said about locking your car door if it's just in your driveway because kids may play hide and seek and go, I never would have thought of that. that that's, um, uh, I think, really great advice. Speaking of other things that I may not think about when it comes to injuries in children, Don, you recently wrote a blog article on our website about grill safety yes. with kids. Now, I'm sure there's some like older teenagers who, you know, their parents may have them take a turn on the grill, but younger kids certainly not. It's not something I would typically correlate, but 
what would you uh, what would you say are things to look out for if you're out grilling one evening and sure. you have kids? Sure. So we want to make sure that gr- kids know that grills are not toys, um, not something that they want to play around with, and, and and that's important that parents let kids know from the very beginning. And then that parents are doing what they need to do as far as creating that safe space around the grill, um, making sure that the kids are not running so that they can fall into the grill. So just creating that parameter. Um, I have a lot of parents kind of tape it off and tell kids, you stay outside of the blue tape. You're not allowed inside of the blue tape because it's it's that, that's not a play area. It's around the grill and it's dangerous there. So um, just creating those boundaries from the very beginning and uh, those explanations of how the, why the grill is not a toy from the very beginning can be very helpful in keeping kids safe around around grills. And Dr. Pomerantz, so let's say there is a burn from a grill or something like that. A kid touches it. Obviously, that's a situation where they would want to come into the hospital. But what do they do? What can parents do immediately for a child with a burn? One of the things that you can do is just put some run some cool water on it. You don't need to put butter on it. You don't want to put ice on it because then you can actually injure it a little bit more. Um, you can put some ice in like a water bath and and put your your kids put that like in a little baggie and put it on the burn. Um, But you want to make sure that it's not going to damage the tissue anymore. Burns also depend on where they are. When they are around something, make a circle around an arm or a leg, or when they cross joints, they're much more serious. Or if they're big, um, if they're on the face, we worry a little bit more. If they're um, in uh, certain areas like the genital area, those areas, we worry a lot more about those. If it's just something small, Um, We usually, and not in a joint, let's say on an arm, uh, most of the time you can just put a little antibiotic ointment on it and just kind of watch it and see how it does. But if they're big, if they're across any of your joints, or if they have any, uh, make circles around your arms or fingers or legs, those are much more important and need to be seen pretty quickly. So let's, let's stick with this close proximity backyard theme. Another thing that is just an inevitability of summer is we all need to mow our grass, right? Well, unless you're like me and you live in an apartment and it's really great, you don't have to worry about it. How about lawnmower safety? Obviously, you're, you're outside, you're mowing the lawn, kids are going to be out there. What are some best practices just to make sure that they stay safe during that time? So two of the main things are, number one, when you have a, a regular lawnmower, like a push lawnmower, things can fly. So you want to make sure kids are not around. They can Sticks can fly and rocks can fly and you can get injured that way. Uh, the more serious injuries, though, that we see are on the riding mowers. Riding mowers are um, used for bigger lawns, but it's not uncommon for a parent to sit with a child on the riding lawnmower. And the problem comes when the child falls off or when they try to use it themselves or when a parent disables the mechanism that stops the lawnmower when somebody falls off. The other thing is they're big, so if you're turning, the kid can get stuck underneath, but more important, they can get injured by the blades. And we see foot injuries, hand injuries, every summer from kids that are getting injured by these riding mowers that they probably should not have been on in the first place. Yeah, so rule of thumb, um, for a push mower, we want kids to be at least 12 behind that mower, and we want them to be at least 16 before they're riding a, a, a riding mower. And then when the yard is being cut, we want younger kids, find something indoors for them to do because we don't want anything flying out and hitting them if they're in the yard, you know, even if they're in another area of the yard um, with a blade going 160 miles an hour, it's going to throw something pretty far, and we want to make sure that kids are not around and injured by that. And what was that age you said for the push mower? Uh, 12. So 12. Okay, so great news to all the kids under 12 who don't have to do that chore <laughs> because Cincinnati Children's, has, we have mandated this, right? Um, 
No, that's really good advice because uh, obviously that can be something very scary. It's something that you have to do at least once a week when you're out in the summer and the kids want to be outside in their home. I think that's incredibly practical advice. Let's continue our proximity. I, I like this theme. Let's let's go out a little bit to bicycle skate safety, and that's you know bikes, scooters, safe safe. What's the word I'm trying to skateboards? Skateboards. Thank yes. you. <laughs> so. That's obviously around the neighborhood, so still close to home, uh, or maybe out a little further. What do we see in terms of injuries on those kinds of vehicles? The most common types of injuries uh, that we see... Now, first we're going to talk about non-motorized bikes and skateboards and scooters and things like that. The most common types of injuries we see are broken arms and broken legs. Kids fall off. Uh, The most important injuries we see are head injuries, and everybody should wear a helmet when you ride that. And some of the kids I hear say, oh, I'm, I'm fine, I'm a great rider. And it's not even about that. It's about two different things. Number one, you may hit something like a, an object in the road and fall off. And you may be the best rider in the world, but you may not be able to control that. And the other thing is, particularly if you're around other bikes or other cars, someone may run into you. And that's a bigger problem because that is much more likely to result in a serious head injury. So I try to convince them that it's not you, Uh, It's the other people around you that may cause a problem. For scooters, um, again, helmets are important. We also see mostly arm injuries. For skateboards and rollerblades and things like that, uh, one of the important things, uh, particularly if you're you're not great at it, is uh, elbow pads, knee pads, and then a really important thing is wrist guards. Wrist guards have been shown to prevent wrist injuries. So if you're wearing them and, you know, even if you're the best, if you wear them, you're much less likely to, to injure your wrist as well. And the, that, that is all we see. Those are mostly what we see with the, um, with the non-motorized bikes, skateboards, scooters. Everything is just amplified when, every, when something is motorized. So things go faster. You're more likely to be in the street, which means you are more likely than on, you know, on a trail to get hit by a, hit by a car or some other rider. So speaking of when we're talking about non-motorized vehicles, I, and I, this, there may be different laws in different states, but I'm assuming, let's say, your child's on a bicycle. Is that sidewalk only? So Cincinnati, ha- the city of Cincinnati has a helmet law for all non-motorized wheeled vehicles. Uh, it is not very well enforced. There are certain cities that have it. Uh, the state does not have it. Then it depends on where you are as to what the laws are. Uh, and where you can ride your bike. Some places you can ride on sidewalks, some places you can't ride on sidewalks. Um, and you know, the more you're in the street, especially if there's not a bike lane, the more likely you are to get hit by something. Even if you're in a neighborhood, you never know who's coming around the corner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so on this topic, then going a little bit towards motorized, I know a very popular trend over the last few years have been the motorized scooters we see all over town. And I, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong on this, but I believe you do have to be 18 to ride them. In theory. In yes. theory. That is what, so, listen, I've been out plenty of times in OTR. I think it was last week I saw three, three deep, three kids on one scooter shooting by, not going slow. They were, they were gunning it. I mean, what, what do you do with that? What do you tell? I mean, obviously parents can only have so much control with that, but... What can parents tell their kids about these scooters, especially when they see so many other people riding around on them? They control the credit card. And you need a credit card, excuse me, to be able to ride the scooters. So that's, my son wants to ride it all the time. I'm like, no, 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 no. Nobody has a helmet on. You're only supposed to have one person over the age of 18 on a scooter at any given time. 
That is not what we see. And, and they go so fast. Yes. <laughs> and uh, there's a lot of people that ride at night, and you can't see the scooters mm-hmm. at night. Um, I think they made the ordinance here now <clears throat> where I think they all shut off about 6 or 8 o'clock, maybe. If it, if that's new, if they... Yeah, and, yeah. I, and, and I know they have that in some other cities, too, where they just shut off because people are getting hit by cars. Mm-hmm. But, you know, sure, it's fun and all, but these things go fast. And, you know, in my mind, if you can't drive a car, why would you be able to drive a scooter that goes... You know, fast and as much less protection. Yeah, with no helmet, no protection around you, absolutely, just it's set up for disaster. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was gonna say. I mean, you all just talked about the importance of wearing helmets, wearing wrist guards, and the different pads. These scooters were designed for people to just hop on and go in street clothes or work clothes. So no one's doing this. So I'm, I'm sure we see our fair, pay, you know, fair share of patients coming in. We do. From there. We do. But I like the idea of parents controlling the credit card. That's <laughs> That's very smart. Um, let's see, what are what are other, you know, big things that we tend to see during the summer that we haven't quite hit on? Um, well, when we're talking about proximity and we're talking about just things maybe in the backyard, playgrounds are another big, oh, yeah. um, you know, just spot where we see injuries um, at because a lot of times backyard playgrounds don't have the safe surfacing. So they're just on grass, which is not safe surfacing. They don't have the mulch or the rubberized um, surface to protect from injuries. Again, parents are saying they're just in the backyard playing, so they're not paying as much attention. Um, backyard playgrounds are where we see some of the extra things, so the extra ropes being tied around, and kids are doing just things that they shouldn't, they can't do on a public playground, and they shouldn't do because it just increases the um, risk of injury when it comes to playground safety. And they're just they're spinning on swings, they're swinging higher than they should. They're, to get all the way around. Yes, the they're top. wrapping swings around so that they're higher, and they have to kind of jump up to get on and jump up to get off. But again. Some in some parents' minds, they're just in the backyard playing, um, but it can be just as dangerous, um, if not even more dangerous, um, just because of not having those safety precautions in place. And we do see a lot of injuries. So if you think about during the school year, kids are in school from you know the morning till the afternoon. During the day, kids are now out of school. What are they going to do? They're going to go to the playgrounds. Um, so we do see a lot of playground injuries. We do see a lot of um, bike injuries. Uh, another thing that we see is pedestrian injuries. Mm-hmm. So kids are out playing in the neighborhood. They're running across the street. Kids under eight should never cross the street by themselves, but they do. They run around, and these kids tend to get hit by cars. A lot more of that. Um, and these days, there's a lot of, you know, kids are doing nothing. They're walking around. Kids are shooting each other. You know, there's a lot of that going around as well. Uh, and it's because they're not in this controlled environment that a lot of this stuff happens. And parents are like, go outside and play. <laughs> I mean, that's the, that's the, go outside and play. Go outside and, you know, find something to do. Um, especially just with the midst of being in with COVID. And, and, and then, you know, it's the, the houses are, when they're in school, you know, they're not there. So houses may be a little more quiet. And then all of a sudden you have all these kids there. Like, go outside and play. But there's a lot out there that they can get into. Um, I don't think, you know, parents need to stay on top of. Yeah. You need to know what's going on and where your kids are growing. So if you have a nice backyard and it's fenced in, great. If your kids are going to be playing in the street, 
less great. If you want to go to a park, you want to read a book and walk on your phone, bring a kid to a park. There's a lot of things that they can do there that are a lot safer than running around in the street. So you have to really constantly think about the environment. And kids, particularly as you get younger, don't understand the risks that they're taking, and then the teenagers as well, um, or, you know, or they think they're invincible. So they do things that you are like, why are you doing this? And a lot of these things result in injuries. Yeah, and a, and a lot of times we also see, especially when we're talking about like pedestrians, we see some of the um, old, considered older kids walking the younger kids, and really some of the older kids are not older either, you know. But um, you know, a lot of times it's like, oh, you know, you're going to go to the store, take your little sister with you, or you know, you're going to walk here, and so you see some of the older kids taking the younger kids. It's not even adults that are out with these children, so. So the, the, let me throw in a couple of things that we didn't talk about. Um, swim lessons actually help. So if your child knows how to swim, that's helpful. And there's a lot of classes that people can take. It is important to realize that just because your, ki your kid knows how to swim doesn't mean they will not drown. So if you take swim lessons or, you know, if you have a pool, you want to make sure that your pool is has four-sided fencing because kids sometimes walk around and think, oh, I've been in the pool, and then they jump in the pool. Um, we didn't talk about lakes and, and, and other big bodies of water. You should always, kids particularly, anyone really, you should wear a life jacket. Um, you know, even if you're like in the Ohio River, what if someone comes and crashes your into your boat? And, you know, you're not going to be able to swim to the side. So life jackets are another huge thing that's important. Um, we didn't talk about other things like ATVs. That is super popular in the summer. Um, a lot of people have them, particularly in the more rural areas. There are ATVs that are built for children, which are thousands of pounds. And if the child falls off, they can get seriously injured. A lot of times they ride the bigger ones. The problem is, is that, you know, I've seen on ATVs and motorbikes, four-year-olds, five-year-olds, six-year-olds, seven-year-olds riding these things alone, and those are just a recipe for disaster. Uh, the kids that have um, supervision with others or the people that are riding on an ATV with other kids, again, wear your helmet, but if you fall underneath that, you're going to be in a whole world of trouble. So there's a lot of other things. It's a lot of outdoor activities that people do at this time of year that they can really get in trouble with. I, I think that's so smart to bring those up. And it's it's uh, kind of nuanced, right? Because it is important that kids get out, right? It is important that, that they get out and they get the exercise and they socialize with their friends. Parents just need to be vigilant. when They, they need to know what to look out for. They need to make sure that they have that appropriate supervision. Yep, and they need to know exactly what their kids are doing. Mm -hmm. uh, another one that we didn't talk about, but I think is, well, I know it's still relevant. So we just recently celebrated the 4th of July. Uh, I live in Newport and... We also recently celebrated the 5th of July in the 6th and <laughs> yes. the 7th. So there's still plenty of fireworks out there. They're still going off. Uh, Don, we worked together a little bit on mm -hmm. a few stories last week on firework safety. They're probably still in some garage, you know, fireworks in garages and houses. What do parents need to know there? Um, that fireworks are dangerous. <laughs> um, and, you know, I know here we had, there was a, a law that they can now be um, bought and let off at home. I will, again, my go-to is always going to be if you want to see fireworks, leave it to the pros. Um, that's that's always going to be the first thing that I suggest just because they have already taken the safety precautions. Um, the pros have done that. And when you're watching those fireworks, you're at a safe distance so that you um, know that your family is going to be able to enjoy it, be safe, and enjoy the fourth for family food and fun, not because, again, someone's ended up in the emergency room because 
something's happened um, with a firework. So um, that's always going to be my go-to. But if parents still have fireworks at home, especially things like sparklers, just understanding that those are not for young children. Um, some of those can get up to 2,000 degrees. That's just way too hot. And you have a child who's mesmerized by it, who wants to grab it, and all of a sudden they're in the emergency room. Um, I talked about alternatives. So maybe using glow sticks for those younger kids. That would, you know, still gives them the thrill of lighting up the, you know, area, but definitely cuts down on the safety. The things that uh, I was at a 4th of July event the other day, and the things that I was were making me nervous. First of all, when you light fireworks, there were definitely some sparks that hit the ground in some areas and there were fires. So you have to be able to, to control that. People who don't know what they're doing and they try to light things, if they see a dud, sometimes they handle them, they can use, lose eyes, they can lose fingers. And I was just watching these small children with these sparklers. And yeah, maybe they want to touch it or maybe they just don't and they just walk into somebody else. There was no water around. You should always have some water at least to be able to put out a fire or put out something. But I was so nervous that these little kids were going to walk into other little kids with these sparklers. Uh, I can't do that again. (laughs) And then um, one of the things that made me nervous with um, just... Uh, people popping fireworks around my neighborhood you don't know what direction they're going to go in Mm -hmm. so it landing on my roof or a neighbor's roof or you know flying like you just you don't know what direction they're going to go in so um, even though you're trying to keep the distance it's really hard to to keep the distance when you just don't know and sometimes they hit roofs and catch Mm -hmm. houses on fire and sometimes they hit the crowd and catch people on fire (laughs) so leave it to the pros and leave it to the pros is going to be absolute my absolute (laughs) go-to This, this is my uh, mantra of injury prevention, taking the fun out of childhood. <laughs> Spoken like a true specialist in an ED. All right, any other you know, big injuries that we see coming in that we haven't talked about that would be helpful for families to know? Now, I did want to touch base, though, on the um, when we talked about water safety and making sure that parents understand that the floaties that they buy are not uh, drowning prevention. Um, you see those in the store and they're really cute and they feel like, oh, if I blow this up and I put this on my child's arms, I don't have to pay as much attention or I don't, for my younger child, I don't have to, they don't have to be in arms, uh, reach of me because they have these floaties. Absolutely not. So very important that parents understand certified life jacket. Yes. The other things that they buy on the market are not to prevent drownings and they still have to be just as vigilant with the safety. Have you seen those tubes? There's these little tubes and the little ba- for the little babies, and the baby's head sticks out, and that way the baby can float. So just the head with like a donut oh, around yes, it. yes, I have seen these. Yeah, don't buy that. <laughs> yeah, they look so uncomfortable. But they also look like the kid's going to drown. <laughs> it makes me nervous. There's a bunch of other injuries that we see, but none are uh, what I would necessarily call preventable. So, you know, kids run, they fall, they get cuts, they get broken bones. Many of them, you know, you're not going to be able to prevent that. But what we want to do is prevent serious injury and death. Mm-hmm. That's the key. You know, if you break a bone, that most of the time can heal. If you break your head, that's much less likely to heal. If you lose a few fingers from a lawnmower, that's more of a more of a big deal than just, you know, falling and getting your knee cut. Yeah, I, I think that's such a good point. And, and that's actually what I'd like to kind of wrap up with and get both of your thoughts even more generally on the idea that while not every injury is preventable, most of them are, particularly the more serious ones. So I'll leave both of you with the last word just on that. What would you tell to parents in terms of, hey, we can prevent this? 
You need to know what your children are doing, as Dawn had mentioned earlier, and just be vigilant about what they're doing. You don't have to be overprotective, but you do want to make sure that some of the more serious injuries, which we know can be prevented, get prevented. So wear your helmet. You're much less likely to die uh, in any kind of a, a wheeled vehicle, motorized or not. Um, wear a life jacket. You're, you're not going to drown if you have a life jacket on. So there's a lot of different things that are much more... That are, that are not that hard to do. You just have to do them. You know, if your child, a lot of parents come in and say, well, he won't wear a helmet. Take the bike away. You know, there's answers to a lot of these things. You're the parent. You need to make sure that your kid is safe. And safe from things like death and serious injury. I mean, you understand kids are going to get hurt and they're going to break bones and they're going to get cut. But more important is you don't want them to die. And I'd say just educating yourself on the top injuries for your child's age group and then learning, uh, you know, the, what resources can help to prevent those injuries and the safety tips that can help prevent those injuries. And again, staying on top of that, um, as mentioned, knowing what your kids are doing, where they where they are and, um, and you know, and just monitoring what's going on is probably going to I tell my parents, like supervision is the number one um, key to keeping your kids safe. So staying on top of what it is that they're doing. It's definitely going to help prevent those injuries. Yeah. Well, thank you two so much. I, I'm going to take a, a brief moment, just one more time, to plug our patient and family blog. There are a lot of great resources on there coming out of our Comprehensive Children's Injury Center about how to avoid specific types of injuries. But thank you two so much. I think this is very helpful. I think this has been very practical, and we'd love to have you back on sometime. Perfect. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. This episode was recorded on July 8, 2022. The content of the Young and Healthy podcast is for informational and educational purposes. Our theme music was created by Stephen Grieco. This episode was produced by Symphony Fair Harris. Follow Cincinnati Children's on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter.